No holds barred. If we had 10 billion sat in the bank and we were trying to scale this business, I would be dropping millions into branding, advertising, look, feel right now to make to turn us from a niche provider to a household name. What's kind of the trendy thing for marketing at the moment? I think it is on the AI and data side at the moment. That's the that's the thing that everybody's talking about, and it's and it's to it's it's honestly it's to drive that next level of personalization, to drive that next level of customer experience, to yeah. create something that you you know historically that you could never create for a customer before. Yeah, the way that a human brain solves a a problem of you know matching people up is very different to how you might program a machine to do that. For me, that's where AI and machine learning can play a real role for marketers going forward is taking away that guesswork because the machine will spot the pattern that nobody else can spot. Do you think those are insights that you could take to a CFO to justify brand activities? Only if it followed through to a conversion. Right. So only if somebody clicked buy at the end of that cycle would a CFO care about it. Because otherwise, as far as he is concerned, he or she is concerned, it's it's hypothetical. Right. And and in fact, that comes back to essentially marketing's biggest problem. We can sit there today and go, we influenced this much pipeline and we generated directly this much pipeline. Yeah. But it pipeline, it's not closed one business. If your conversion rate from qualified pipeline to closed one revenue is so consistent and so repeatable because of the products that you sell, then you stand a better chance. Yeah. If you've got a really mixed product portfolio or there are loads of variables in what ends up being your conversion rate, what, what affects your conversion rate and, and what turns something into a revenue, then, then your CFO is going to not believe the pipeline number as a solid metric to measure on. With that traceability element, so I'm speaking just from experience here, someone like, uh, you know, someone in business development or whatever, when they see MQLs arrive and they are ranked and qualified and, and whatever, and then we follow that up and say that, for example, becomes an opportunity. And then in the grand scheme of things, if we fast forward and look at the analytics of it and go, well, these MQLs, this group here to this demographic or whatever, seem to be the most profitable do you sort of find that there's a lot of aberrations in those? So like, for example, there might be one thing that skews it by one large corporate that's thrown in there that then becomes an opportunity that's then forecasted. And then you kind of go, well, we delivered this much pipeline, but how can we be intelligent about what activities have driven what pipeline? When you see the thing that works, what you want to do is boom, turn the volume up, let's do that 10 million times. Yeah, yeah. It had the right reach, so it talked to the right people. It had a, an, a, you know, an, an important factor is always the relevancy, and it, it was clearly relevant to the audience that struck. The problem is that that particular campaign flow and that particular activity, you can very quickly expire all of the avenues for growth within that. Right, I see. So it might have worked because its reach was talking to project managers who work for local councils in the UK. Yeah. Well, there might only be 10,000 people that do that job. Right, yeah, I see, yeah. 
So we've we've already expired that option. So again, you go, that thing is the ticket to scalability, but that activity itself doesn't scale. You need those brand activities to increase your reach and get to a bigger audience so that your demand gen activities happen. If you cut the brand activities, your ROI on your demand gen, you know, your, your webinars, your events, your email programs, your digital marketing will decrease. And do CFOs find it hard to justify those brand activities based on the fact that they don't seem to them directly impactful? Correct. There is no traceability, generally speaking, on a brand, you know, a pure brand activity. Right. Um, There was a really famous quote from, you know, one of the early advertising pioneers. And the famous quote goes something like this. I know that half of my million is working, but I don't know which half. I know that the other half of my million is not working, but I don't know which half. There was a really interesting conversation I had with someone from one of my customers and they they were closely connected to marketing. It was an insurance company and basically they had they had, they had two pretty simple challenges. One was to keep customers informed of things that were going on without them having to phone in and effectively take mm-hmm. up their time and resource. Simple use case there. And the other one was to ensure that they were able to get a quote for their insurance. So two very simple use cases. In the insurance industry at this point in time, there is a ridiculous amount of traffic hitting quote, but not actually actually taking the quote, right? From a marketing perspective, it's extremely difficult for them to understand why that is. But as an insurance company, you have to to divulge all this information. You don't know what the headline you want to be, which is, I suppose, why personalization is powerful, because you can headline the thing that is tailored to the profile honestly not understanding too much of the science behind it but that's where a customer data platform comes into play right it's about aggregating this behavioral data and looking for a pattern within a cohort of that data and do they take is seasonality taken into account there seasonality is usually taken into it again as long as it's a formulaic approach as long as it's a repeatable approach and as long as the data backs up that seasonality so if you go year over year comparison that's very often you know looked at the bit that many american companies still struggle to understand even now and you know i've been marketing for 15 years is that europe does this thing in july and august where we literally go on holiday Mm. And that that seems alien sometimes to an American company. It's like they know it's coming, but it frustrates them every year. Like, yeah, I don't understand it. For a whole month, France isn't there. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's not a surprise. It happens yeah. every single year, and it will happen for every single year going forward. Yeah. I've noticed with the Middle East that they have a lot of um, holidays and, um, and, and periods of time off. And so their marketing activities are seriously impromptu. Yes. They're very much, um, you know, we're going to do this on Friday. Right. Okay. (laughs) Well, they they probably wouldn't do it on a Friday, actually. Oh, no, that's right. (laughs) 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 We'll we'll launch it. We'll launch it on a Sunday. That's what they do. But the the pace of it is is unbelievable. But what what I found interesting about, about those guys in the retail sector in the Middle East is that it, it give yields quicker results a quicker, more sort of consistent results, more data for them to follow across shorter periods of time. But then there's that big gap where they have the holidays and so on and Eid and Ramadan and all those kind of times. And it's it's almost like this resting period where there's still marketing going on. There's still this churn, 
but then there's like a surge of activity. Looking at the Middle East um, during the recent pandemic and everything that's going on is going to be really interesting because that's a culture that relies still so much on face-to-face as well. You know, if you if if you ever go to Dubai, for example, and just go look around and explore, the number of malls that are there is completely opposed to the trend that we see in the rest of the you know kind of Western Hemisphere. Really, shopping centres and malls in the UK are becoming you know ghost buildings and derelicts as as retail stores close down, and and yet you go to a mall in 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 Dubai, and firstly. It's the size of, you know, of a whole city. And secondly, it is rammed full of people. So not only have they got, you know, a different culture when it comes to holiday time and, you know, religion plays a massive part in that. I think just this this thousands and thousands of year old culture of face-to-face is going to be very much tested in a, in a marketing environment for the Middle East. Something that you need to know about me is that I I love protein bars. I don't know why. <laughs> I just love them, and I I I buy loads of them. I always, I try different ones. I don't stick to one particular one, but quite often they'll have like limited edition ones, and they taste like mm-hmm. Mars bars or whatever. You know, they have all kinds of things. And these limited edition ones they release, they're under the same brand, but sometimes they kind of segue into their own little niche and. Me, I love them and I'm like, I want more, but then they stop doing them. And you're like, ah, am I in the minority that has, you know, have I single-handedly kept this company alive through buying their brownies or were they really not that successful? It's the CFO sat there going, that line's not profitable, cut it. Cut that it. line's not driving the revenue that we want, cut it. Right. Good experiment, well done for testing the market. We're not moving forward with that decision. Right. I do an exercise with my team that we do in detail quarterly and that we look at monthly, which is called Keep, Add, Cut, Transform. Right. And so with all of the programs that we're doing, we look at what's working, we're going to keep it. What are we missing? What do we need to add, right, that we think is going to be a good idea, hopefully based on data, right? But coming back to AI and machine learning, that piece could be automated in the future. What's not working? What are we going to cut? What are we going to stop doing? And then what do we need to change because it's kind of working, but we see an opportunity to improve it. Makes perfect sense, yeah. And, you know, if if marketeers or product managers or businesses at a strategic level aren't regularly doing that, then I personally would recommend it because it's that constant optimization cycle that is the norm these days. If, if businesses are not constantly optimizing, they're effectively losing. It's 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 the same adage as you know, if if you've got a thousand pounds sat on a table, you're losing money. If you've got a thousand pound, at least in a bank account with a with an interest rate, or or invested in, you know, a stock market, then it's at least following the market trend and not losing value. But if yeah. if you've got cash, it's effectively losing value every day, right? It's the same with our marketing programs. Just because they're working doesn't mean that their value is increasing. You need to be optimizing them to increase their value over time. It's a similar uh, principle to how I work with customers from a customer success point of view is that I look at optimizing or understanding how they can get the most value out of everything they do and see and take part in. 
the hard part is convincing certain stakeholders or certain people or people in your team perhaps to say this isn't working but it doesn't necessarily mean we should stop doing it you you have a gut instinct that somewhere along the line that is going to pull through especially things that i've brought to to new to new customers or, or even new roles where they've worked in the past and then you deploy them and you go i'm not quite sure why this isn't working here but yeah. i have a feeling that it will certain things need to fall into place which is probably what you're experiencing totally and i you know i almost wish that we had you know machine learning and ai more prevalently in place today because going through a, you know a pandemic i'm trying to encourage my team not to make those keep ad cut transform decisions on a knee jerk mm. yeah do it based on evidence do it based on evidence yeah. make database decisions about why you're stopping doing something it's almost like if the business is impatient because our pipeline generation has gone down, that doesn't mean the tactics that we're using are still incorrect. Yeah. It means the market's demand has changed and we might we might need to stop doing an activity or change doing an activity to map to that market demand. Yeah. Or we might not, but let's not make a decision until we know yeah. based on data that that's the correct thing to do. I think the saying is what can't be measured can't be managed. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And, and that applies to not just marketing, not just, you know, the customer success practice, but I would just say business in general, yeah. right? And that, again, we come full circle to the CFO's view on everything. It's that EBIT calculation of yeah, what, what earnings am I going to make? What revenue am I, am I going to make from, from this investment? Yeah, makes sense. Well, this has been an education for me. for private schooling thanks to those of you for listening for me rambling on about marketing I hope you found it useful I hope you found it insightful I think watching trends in the market and using data is the sum up that I would give anybody here right if you're looking about which marketing programs to do which to not if you're a marketer or you're not it doesn't matter just use that data to to help you drive an outcome uh, 100% So more to come from us in the future. Um, So stay tuned, watch out for the next episode. Uh, James, anything you'd like to add? Uh, No, just just to say thanks for watching me learn. (laughs) And thanks for listening to me teach. Uh, Here's till next time and take care. See you soon. Bye.